Praise the Lord. Without any further ado, I'm going to introduce you our speaker this morning, fine man. And uh, this is Michael Buckland Jr. Give a big hand as he comes. I would ask him if I could borrow his suit, but I don't think it would fit. <laughs> but I just want to tell you, when I started preaching, I had hair like you. <laughs> you have a lot to look forward to. Good morning. Who's happy to be in the house of God this morning? I just want to start off by saying I want to thank Pastor Derek for giving me this wonderful opportunity. And I want to thank you guys as a church. You guys encourage me and show love every Sunday. That's helped pave a way to get me to where I am today. So I just want to thank you guys as a whole as well. I'm just going to jump right into it. The title of my message is called Strangely Wrapped Gifts. And it's not a long message, it's a short one. So turn to your neighbor and say, that's good news. But it's called... It's called Strangely Wrapped Gifts. And the reason I titled it Strangely Wrapped Gifts is I believe we serve a heavenly father God who sometimes sends his children strangely wrapped gifts. And part of this message, I'm going to start with a short story, a true story, about a man, a father and a son, and their awkward relationship. So lean in, pay attention. It's very important that you do because it has a big part in this message. There was a father and a son who always had an awkward relationship. The mother died at a very young age in the son's life, and the son always felt neglect from the father. The, the father was a wealthy business oil, oil millionaire, and the, the father always was busy with work and with a big successful company, and he never had time for the son. So the son always felt neglect, and he always had an awkward relationship with his father. But the son grew up, and like most young men and women do, he went to college, and as he went off to college, he longed for a relationship with his father. He longed for the thing he never had. There was a hole in his heart for something he never had. And as he went off to college, he grew for that relationship. And his father and the son, they got closer together. They, be, they became friends. They, they had a relationship, a bond. And one day, the father and the son was walking in the city that they lived in. And they was stumbled across a used car dealership. But it didn't have any ordinary cars. It had expensive ones, Ferraris, Rolls Royces, all these fancy cars. And the father and the son's walking around, and the son has his eye called a convertible. And he says, Dad, that's the car I want when I graduate. That right there is what I want. And the son knew the father, money wasn't an issue. The father could surely buy him that car. Months go by, and the son drops more hints. You know, Dad, I want that car. Everybody that's close to the father, all his associates, you know, your son really wants that car. He's got good grades really good. You ought to reward him with that sports car. And the day finally came where the graduation and the son and the father celebrated and they ended back at the father's mansion. And the, son, the father called the son into his study. He said, I want to give you your gift. And he says, sit down. And he says, sit down at the desk. And he, the father slides across the table a package with strange gift wrapping and a pretty bow on top. And the son was pulled back at first. See, surely, that surely can't be no car in there. It's too small. And the key surely ain't in there. But he opens it up, and he was right. He opened, there's a Bible inside with his name engraved on it. And at that moment, the son realizes this is exactly what I did not ask for. 
And in anger, he jumps up, slides it back across the table to the father, and says, wow, dad, thank you. Thanks a lot. Story of my life. Thank you. And he turns around to leave, and the father says, son, aren't you going to read what's inside? He says, maybe one day, dad, but not today. Right now, I got a life to live. And he storms out of his father's study, and he runs upstairs, packs his bag, leaves, disconnects from the father. Doesn't call him, doesn't, won't answer him. He just completely disconnects. Months go by, years go by. He eventually starts his own company, uses his dad's name, pulls some strings, becomes successful, meets a beautiful young woman, gets married, doesn't inform the father, doesn't invite him. Years go by even more. Has a daughter, doesn't inform the father, doesn't invite him. Even more years go by, same story, no invite, no inform. But as the years go by, the son longs for that hole in his heart again that he used to have with his father, the relationship that he used to have. And he reaches out for the father in a relationship again. And eventually the father and him get closer and closer together. And they planned a trip. For the first time, the father was going to see the son he hasn't seen in all them years. He's going to see the daughter-in-law and the two granddaughters he's never laid eyes on. And they just, the boy was traveling across country with the family to see the father. And just as the story goes, halfway across, he, the father died with a heart attack. And that hole in his heart, now gone, the son realizing all the years he's wasted, all the time he's wasted, now has to travel halfway across country to realize all, all that he's got to deal with. And he's the only heir to his father's fortune, only child. He ends up doing, has to do with all his father's paperwork, everything his father left him, all his wealth, his mansions, everything. And one day the son, as they got there, he was cleaning out the father's house, him and his father's old associates, and he ended up back in his father's office, last place he's seen his dad alive. And he sits down on his dad's desk, and he's still got all the paperwork sitting there. That's what my father calls a real desk, and you got all when it's a mess. And he sits down at his desk, and he, his eye catches across on the bookshelf the package. He remembered the wrapping. And he jumps up, and he pulls it down, sits it back, he pushes all the crap off the desk, throws it all on the floor. He sets it down, and he opens it up. Sure enough, there sitting is the Bible. But what the son didn't realize all them years ago, what he was too, I guess, stupid was a word to use, too angry. The father had a bookmark. In Matthew chapter 7, and underlined in Matthew chapter 7, he had these words, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more can your heavenly Father give to those who ask? And he was so moved that the Father had those words sitting there, and he was so selfish all them years ago that he started to weep and cry. And they say he picked up the Bible like this, and he pulled it to his chest and was rocking back and forth. And as he did that, a key fell out on his lap. And he picked up the key, recognizing it as being a car key. And he walks down to his father's garage, and father's got plenty of expensive cars. And over in the corner, there's a wrapped car, a car's covered, and it's got dust and dirt over it. And he rips the cover over, and sure enough, there's the convertible. The father had paid for it, and, wait, and was, it was there waiting for the son. The son got what he wanted. He got exactly what he asked the father for, but he just did not like the package it came in. And I'm here today to tell you, we serve a heavenly father who sends us strangely wrapped gifts that if we don't trust the Lord and we push back in anger at the father, we might miss what we were asked for. He rejected the package, not realizing he's rejecting everything he's asked for. We ask God for things. 
And he sends us what we ask for, but it comes in a strangely wrapped package that if we do not trust in the Lord, we do not wait in the Lord, we do not stand in faith in the Lord, and we push back in bitterness and disappointment and say, I ask you, God, for something great, and all you give me is this book of promises. I ask you for something great, but that's all you give me. We shove it back at him in anger, mad, sometimes even mad at God. It's not what I was expecting. It's not what I was praying for. It's not what I was hoping for. Such was the case of Joseph. Joseph, you knew it. God sent him a strangely wrapped gift. Joseph, you asked me to use you. You asked me to perform miracles on your life. You asked me to perform my dream in your life. But Joseph, my gifts come in strangely wrapped packages. And so the strange package showed up in Joseph's life. When his brothers ripped the coat of many colors off him and threw him into a pit. And he's sold into slavery. And he ends up working in Potiphar's house. And his Potiphar's wife lies on him. And he ends up in prison for 13 years for a crime he did not commit. And as he's in this prison, he makes friends with a baker and a butler. And he interprets their dream. But he says one thing. He says, don't forget me. And they forget him. They forgot him. But there came a day when the Pharaoh had a dream, and no one in the land could interpret it. But the baker said, I know a man down in the pits that can interpret dreams. And within 24 hours, he was raised from the pits. The Pharaoh said, I will make you second in the land, second only to me. You have the golden key, he said. You hold the most powerful position in the, na in the most powerful nation in the world at that time. But it came in a strange package. The golden keys to the corn was in a package that was strange. It's not just about God giving it to you. It's about him preparing you to be able to handle it. It's the process that you go through that prepares your soul, your ego, your heart. It's in the suffering. It's in the hurting. and It's in the waiting that God fashions you and molds you and shapes you into what he wants you to become. It's not in the high times of just getting what you want from God because it's about God becoming what God has you called to become. It was a strangely wrapped gift. And now Joseph, at one point he had his brothers and his family all at his feet, trembling, shaking. You guys all know the story. And I love what Joseph said because I... That's the one thing that I probably, I don't, know, I don't know if I could have done it. But they're shaking and trembling in his feet. And he said, guys, you don't understand. You meant it for my evil. You meant it for my evil. But God meant it for my good. The package you sent me was for my evil. But God has turned it for my good. That many would be saved for the package that you have sent me. I've got a golden key to ministry through the package you have given me. Job, I'm going to do something amazing in your life. I'm going to do something amazing. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you by double. But Job, my gifts come in strangely wrapped packages. All right, well, let's see what you got. Package number one. All your flocks have been stolen. All your servants have been kidnapped. All right, package number two. Probably the most hideous package I think anybody could handle. All ten of your children, Job, are dead, gone. Job has no Bible. 
Job has no church. He's got no, no name of Jesus. All he can say is, the Lord giveth, the Lord take. Blessed be the name of the Lord. At least I got my health. At least I got my friends, my wife. Friends call him a liar, a hypocrite, say this is the judgment of God. His wife curses him, curses God. He loses his health. He had nothing, but he had God. But did he? Because he said, I looked forward and I couldn't find him. I looked back, I couldn't perceive him. I looked to the left or the right, he wasn't there. I've had moments like that. But I love what Job said. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. Even when I can't find him, he can find me. When I don't know where he is, he knows where I am. But really what he was saying is, not even heaven can shake my confidence in heaven. You know when the devil tries to shake your confidence, but what about when God does it? Why didn't God stop my ten children from dying? Why didn't God do this? Why, why, why? He said, not even heaven can shake my confidence. He said, I know my Redeemer lives, and one day when I come forth by fire tribe, I will see him pure as gold for myself. And Job made it through the trials. And God doubled his business, his wealth, everything. Well, one thing I noticed I thought was funny, he didn't double his children, if you read it. Because he started off with ten, and God only gave him ten back. Because he really didn't lose them. They were in heaven waiting on him. He didn't lose his kids, they were in heaven waiting on him. Y'all getting something out of this this morning? Amen. I was in a service when I was about 17 years old, and... Bear Delaware, my grandfather's church, and Eddie Mullen was preaching that night, and I was about, I said, 17 years old, and I remember I was sitting there crying and weeping, and saying, God, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me, God? It was the night I gave my heart to the Lord. Now, I'm telling you, God had his hand on my life that night. And I said, God, use me. He says, I hear you. But I'm going to send you some strangely wrapped packages. And sure enough, he did. I've had trials and trials. I've had people try to push me away from the word of God. I've had, I'm young. I've had people try and, I mean, just everything you can only imagine. I've had people try to have me go do this or that. But it's standing alone in my faith, I've realized. And I've got great role models. I've got my family over here, my Uncle Mark, my cousin Luke. Uncle, my cousin Mark couldn't have for better role models as... I've got my father and my other grandfather, everybody here, Pastor Derek and Uncle John. You couldn't ask for better role models. But looking back at it now, I realize if God allows something, that means he's going to use it to put work into it in me and to put work in you. All things. Not just the good things, all things. And it was during this time... My mother and father sitting here, they could tell you. I played my guitar. I'm up here playing with you guys. I played my guitar every night. Strumming. I couldn't play it. They could tell you. I couldn't play it. Not at first. I'd sing and praise. and I said, it was, I wasn't the best, but I was trying. But it helped me to get to the point where I can look at a beautiful congregation like you guys here today. Looking back at it, I can say, great is thy faithfulness. All that I've needed, your hand has provided. And he is faithful. He is. He's got a promise to perform in your life. Just don't be surprised if it comes in a strange package. Listen, to, I love Paul. Listen to what Paul said. 
He says, everything that has happened to me has happened to, for the furtherance of the gospel. So there, for I will take pleasure in my gift wrappings. I know that stuff comes into my life. God sent it or God allowed it. He's going to take it and transform it for the good so that a golden key will drop and something will come out. Blessings will come out of it. Folks, it's not just about having a sweet, perfect life. I'm, only, I'm going on 19, and I already know. It's hard. It's hard. Life's going to come hitting you sooner or later. And you don't want to be a bunch of cool whip Christians, I like to call it, that when trouble comes, you don't know what to do. Because I'll tell you what you do. You don't, in anger, push back across a table at the Father and say, if you don't give me what I want, I'm, I'm going to turn around. I'm not going to come to church no more. I'm not going to talk to you no more. No, sir. No, that's not how it works. They say Walt Disney. Many of you know, of course, Walt Disney. He was fired from his first job as a cartoonist because the editor said he had no creativity. Just think about that. Mark Cuban in the 1980s was a computer salesman, and he lost his job and that, was, that day, he said, he knew he would never work for another man again. All these people in their life. So what? If you might have lost a job right now, you don't know what's going on, it was a gift. It was a gift because God has something in plan for you somewhere else. So what? Jerkwad cheated on you or left you? Amen. Kick him to the curb. Now you can wait on Golden Key, Mr. Gorgeous, Holy Ghost, feel gorgeous, to go to church with you and praise the Lord with you. Amen. Amen. Now, I know some of you have been receiving some strangely wrapped gifts here tonight. Some of you have, and I dare all of you to turn it into praise. Turn it into praise. Turn your gift wrappings into praise. Turn your hurting into praise. But we know all things work together. If we don't quit, if we don't get bitter, if we don't shove it back at the Father. And some things we don't understand on this side. But I promise you, all things work together for them who love God and are called according to his purpose. And as the band comes forward for a second. Now, if you have received a strangely wrapped gift in your life, like Paul, throw your hands up and for the next 15 seconds, and say, I will glorify my tribulation. For the next 15 seconds, just praise him. Just praise God for his gifts he's given you. Just praise him. You know what I'm preaching here tonight, guys. You know what you're going through. You know it. I don't know. God knows and you know. There's moments when my family and I would go through hard times. I would say... I would look up to God and I'd, I'd say, why don't you do something? You're God. What kind of cruel God would let something like this happen? But I didn't know. I couldn't know. You don't understand everything you're going through. But the Bible said, in everything, not for everything, in everything, give thanks. Whatever you put in, give thanks. Now for the next 15 seconds, can we all just stand again?